Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. As you can tell from the title, it is called Victory Against the Giant Fear. And Pastor Phil, I don't think you knew what that was called when you said before that I was talking about conquering the giant of fear. But, um, you know, just this is a a message this evening that uh, trying to condense around seven years of journeying with God into the next 30 minutes. So it's going to be quite challenging for me. And, um, but it, it is good. I'm, I'm ready for it. I've condensed it and I've tried to give you uh, some of the highlights. Um, but it's really good, a great topic. Um, you know, journeying into the promised land, and we've looked at a whole bunch of things already. And tonight is going to be another piece of the puzzle for what God's saying to us as a church. But for me, uh, entering into the promised land is about this one word here. It's called transformation. It's about transformation. Entering into the promised land is about the God version of you living in the God plan for you. Say so again, it's about the God version of you living in the God plan for you. And the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, you can go there uh, in your own time, says that we are all being transformed from glory to glory into the image of Christ. And, you know, it's not so much a problem, it's not so much a question about uh, entering into the physical, uh, into a physical promised land that we're talking about, but it's much more about what's going on on the inside of your heart, on the inside of your life. Walking in the promised land in a new te- as a New Testament believer is about God shifting the inside of your heart and then that just bearing fruit in your everyday life. Um, you will experience a, a, a blessed uh, life when you have God transforming you from the inside out. But it's more about that than it is what's going on in your circumstances. Because it's be- like people like Paul who were transformed fra- by God, that he said, I've learned the secret of contentment, whether I've have, you know, in plenty or in lack. No matter what the circumstance is, I've known that on the inside there's peace in my heart. And I think that is the greatest thing uh, about living in the promised land. And too many people have no peace in their heart, no peace in their mind. Um, And you look through the Bible and there's a whole bunch of examples in the Bible about people that did allow God to transform them and those that didn't. Uh, You know, seeing you have some before, people that didn't allow God to transform them, uh, you know, in, in the way that I think you probably would have desired, people like Saul who was, you know, insecure and fearful, but was not able to let God have his way in his heart. People like Samson, who let, you know, integrity issues uh, get in the way of a bright future. Even Moses, uh, the, the leader of the Israelites out of Egypt, who was a great man and one of the heroes of, of faith, was one who didn't quite do the journey of transformation. I don't have time to go into it, but that is the journey that God spoke to me through about this. Uh, and I remember standing on the top of Mount Nebo, which was where Moses died, and uh, looking over and seeing Jericho. 
clear as day seeing Jericho. And the plan of God for Moses was to enter in and take that land and be the guy. But instead, he died at a place looking at what could have been, but yet not realizing the fullness of that. And more than anything, that is sad for me, you know what I mean? Like, uh, knowing the, the greatness that could have been accomplished in a life in someone who just said, God, have your way, like we're singing in that song, God, have your way, Lord, have your way in me. Um, man, like I literally, because God took me on a journey with Moses, I was like saddened when I stood up there and I went, oh, it's just there. Like he was so close. But then there's guys in the Bible and, and girls that did do a journey, people that were nobodies, had serious things going wrong on the inside of their heart, and God uh, worked on their life, and they did a great journey with God, like Jacob, who was a, a wrangler, a deceiver, but God eventually had his way, and he, and he fulfilled the call of God that, you know, on his life, and, and people like Paul, who was totally, you know, persecutor of Christians, and turned around and yielded to God and said, God, transform me, and, and he was not Paul, he was Saul, he was Paul, and, and, you know, turned the world upside down. People like the Apostle John, who uh, was, a, was an angry, fiery, uh, bitter person, and then hanging around that Jesus, who is love, turned into the Apostle of love. And, and, you know, there's all these stories of people who'll be transformed. And like Pastor Phil was saying, there's all these giants that you face that will try and stop you from, yes, entering into the promised land, but first and foremost will try and stop you from being transformed from the inside out. Because that is the thing that's going to stop you entering your best life. We're talking about promised land as your best life if you haven't joined us. That there's a best life uh, in God, that He's got a, a, a great life for you, one that is even better than where you're currently at, that's bigger, that's brighter. Um, and so it's these giants that will stop you from being transformed. And there's a battle going on for your life, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. And I agree with Joyce Meyer, who says that there is a battle going on and the battlefield is in your mind. And so that is what I'm going to be talking about tonight, is uh, a little bit about the renewing of your mind. Because if you look at Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So transformation is about the renewing of your mind. If you want to know how you be transformed by the power of God, then it's by the renewing of your mind. And that is why there is a great battle on the mind of people all around the world and in this room right now, people that are constantly uh, almost fighting on the inside of their mind all day, every day. And uh, even if you have had significant victory in this area, then you still got the the great task of continuing to stand in that and walk in that victory every day. And so it's a battlefield of the mind because the giants of your life are trying to mess things up on the inside of your mind so that you'll be stopped from entering into all that God has for you. Because we're looking at the God version of you uh, fulfilling the God plan for you. And I want to share a little bit about my revelation. There's a whole bunch of giants. Man, we've got, you know, you know, a young generation that has no physical war like the ones before, but there is a war in minds of most young people of depression and, and anxiety and worry and this and that. And I want to share a little bit about my journey with the, um, it's not there anymore, but against the giant of fear. Fear was 
uh, the big thing in my life that tried to hold me back, that tried to take me out and praise Jesus. It didn't and it won't. And um, so I just want to share a few little things about how I did that journey and, you know, what that looked like for me. But I just want to, re- I want to read you quickly a, the introduction of a book. Um, and so if you just listen to this, I think this sums up the heart of someone in this position. It says, I have been in slavery my whole life. For most of it, I didn't even realize my condition. I was a prisoner to my thoughts, and I didn't know there was any other option. This was my reality. This is what normal life involved, confusion, analyzing, worry, superstition, fear. Fear controlled my life, even life as a believer. It affected every part of me, my happiness, my health, my relationships, my sport, my leisure. There was no area untouched by this tormenting master. Then over a period of time, it started to dawn on me, things didn't seem to add up. The thoughts that bombarded my mind day and night didn't seem so normal. For the first time, I had a feeling that a lot was actually wrong, that the way I saw things was actually quite abnormal. It was one Saturday morning as I was in my room seeking the Lord that I felt a gentle impression of two words come to mind, deliverance and Moses. What seemed to be a small and unobtrusive feeling was the sweet whisper of the Holy Spirit. And as I went to the book of Exodus, this would be the beginning of a journey that has lasted three years so far and is still going as I write this. I knew nothing of Moses and the word deliverance and had always, oh sorry, and the word deliverance had always made me think of an instantaneous event of unfriendly intruders being cast out by a powerful God and freedom coming at that moment. Now, I'm just giving it away a little bit by what I'm saying here. As I read Joyce Meyer's Battlefield of the Mind, her words struck me. Nearly every deliverance God has brought me has been progressive and has come about by believing and confessing the Word of God. It hit me that this sorting out the way I think was going to be a journey. I strongly recommend you read Joyce's book, which I agree. So here it is, a personal account of someone who has taken the journey out of Egypt into the wilderness and fought the giant of fear to enter the promised land. Um, Many books have been written about this great exodus of the Israelites and many analogies used, but I pray that my story may inspire you to keep going wherever you are on this journey so that you may experience the complete freedom that is your inheritance in Jesus Christ. Um, And so, as you can probably guess, I actually wrote that. And I have not written any more in my book, but I started writing a book when God showed me that revelation three years ago. Uh, We'll have to finish that off one day, but uh, there's a little bit of a uh, journey to go still. Um, But before we start, let me, before I get into it, let me tell you this, that um, that complete victory, complete victory is God's will and it is possible in your life. So if you hear and you resounding some of those thoughts of, okay, this is stuff's going on on the inside of my heart too, and, you know, maybe you had a little bit of breakthrough in God, but, um, but basically it's where I'm living, then complete victory is not only God's will, but it is possible. Uh, if you read this scripture here, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says, I'll punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them do not spare them, and it's a bit gru- gruesome, but, you know, he's saying, destroy everything of those people that tried to waylay you when you were up on your way out of Egypt and into the promised land. And I feel like that is a word for some of you here, that God is saying, everything that, every ground taken on your mind, 
from those things that you've come out of Egypt and on your way into salvation. Everything is taken ground in your mind. God is saying, destroy all of it, every single bit of it. Don't leave any of it unturned. Have complete victory. And uh, here's another one that helped me when I was going through this journey. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And so God is not into you just living some kind of semi-victory in your mind. So there's some kind of semi-peace at times, sometimes if all things are going right. But that no matter what circumstances are going on on the inside of your life, that you have victory, you have peace, you have faith. And that God is working at you are having victory and you're more than a conqueror no matter what is going on. So let's have a look uh, at Isaiah chapter 61. This, a few, uh, little bit of this is uh, from Mark Kelsey. He has this revelation on two types of absences of freedom. And, um, you know, on a journey, God just speaks to you through a whole lot of different people's experiences. And so Joyce Meyer's book, Battlefield of the Mind, big one for me. I read it about three times. And God spoke to me through that. This revelation from uh, Mark Kelsey, a whole bunch of other things that God speaks to you. But it says in Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So Mark points out there's two types of absences of freedom. And uh, I just, as soon as I heard this, this was right in my journey, I was like, that is amazing. Um, and so we have here, we have captives and we have prisoners. For me, uh, Egypt represents uh, prisoners. And we'll go over to a map that I found of the journey the Israelites did out of Egypt. And say that they were over here in the land of Goshen. And, and for me, this place here speaks about being a prisoner. Um, it speaks of, of a situation that needs immediate attention, that can have immediate breakthrough. Uh, it's like you're either in prison or you're out of prison. There's no sort of in-betweens, you're in or you're out, and just in a split moment, you can be out of it, uh, and in a split moment, you can be in it as well. Um, until you meet Jesus Christ, you are in a prison. You are one of these people. You are in a prison. You are held captive by what we call a sinful nature that uh, separates you from God, that was given to you when you were born, and you can do nothing about it. Uh, I was in a, a prison as well. I was unsaved until I was 16. I didn't know Jesus until I was 16. Uh, I was in a prison. And one of the things that kept me there was fear. And, you know, we can, I think we can talk a lot about fear. Like, what's fear? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, so many different types of fear, of being afraid. I'm talking about, I'm going to give you some examples of what I was like. Now, this is, um, I'm going out on a limb here because the, the crazy, you know, catchers might come and get me if I let these things out. Um, but, I, but I think, hey, there's no use just talking about abstract concepts like fear if you're not going to say what it looks like in your world. Um, so for me, really, I, I didn't even know that in, until I was probably 23, that fear was the thing that was holding me back. Had no idea. Sat down with someone, a mentor, and he said, you know, hey, you got a little bit of fear there, but we'll deal with that. And I was like, fear, what are you talking about? Like, I, had no, I had no idea what he was even talking about. 
Um, and a little bit, my gosh, that was a very polite way of keeping me under control. It was like a whole heap. But these are sort of some of the things before I met Jesus that I was, you know, that fear manifested itself. And honestly, I, every, time, every time I look back, I, I just think of other things in my, in my life that, you know, were a result of that. I had an intense fear of the dark, uh, as most kids. So some of these are things that, mo- you know, a lot of people have. But I passed Phil's talking, there's something different about it when you know that it's controlling like every area of your life. And God will reveal it to you in time anyway, if that's the thing for you or what the thing is for you that's holding you back. Um, okay, on that note, it says in Exodus 13, it says, God led the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites the long way in case they went the short way and they saw war and wanted to turn back. So you might think, oh, I need to get breakthrough, but God knows what you're ready for. God knows if you're ready to fight. He knows if you're not. And at the right time, God will know what the thing is that you need. Like for me, if he had told me earlier, I probably would have freaked out and just gone, oh my gosh. But at the right time, our gracious God just pinpoints something on the inside, says, now you're ready to do this. So some of those things, so fear of death, I'd be scared of dying as a kid, just like scared of dying. I'd be scared of like war. I'd watch a war movie. I'd be scared of war. I'd be scared of death. I'd be scared of the thought of my parents going to, like stuff that wasn't even, uh, a possibility for my context, like I, you know, it was just it was irrational. Um, fear of losing people, uh, fear of failure. I remember I didn't do great. I was in the top class at high school, and I didn't have the greatest term. And I'd be walking up to the year advisor every day, "Hey, am I staying in this class? Am I going to get dropped from this class?" Like, you know, just and she eventually she just said, "Garth, it's all good. You're going to stay in your class. Just forget about it. Get out of here." Um, one of the big things for me for fear was superstition. Uh, if you're superstitious, that is a result of fear, I've found. And so I would have to do things a certain way or I would think that bad luck was going to come upon my life. You freaked out yet? Jamie, do you, have you, do you know this yet? I didn't tell her I married her and then I tell her, no, I did. Um, so like, yeah, nailed it. Good, good plan. No, you know, and, and so, you know, I remember you know, I'd have to walk a certain direction. I remember I scored a few goals at soccer one day. And so the next week, we went shopping before soccer, went and played soccer, scored some goals. The next week at shopping, I'd have to park in the same car spot because that was the thing that somehow... It's, it's, it's like, what? You go like, what? How does that make sense? But I know some of you are as crazy as me, so it's all good. Um, maybe not for that, but for different things. So, so, you know, you go, oh, he's weird. I know there's people going through things like that, that, you know, whatever it might be, things going on in your life that it may not be fear, it might be something else, but it's something that keeps you bound, because there's no freedom in that sort of living, I'm telling you right now. But, praise God, I came to C3 Church, Tagra, and I met Jesus, and I accepted Him as my Lord and Savior, and I was taken out of slavery. Um, because, the, because when you meet Jesus, He takes sin out of your life. He did it on the cross. Once you receive that, sin is removed from your life, and sin is the cause of fear. We see in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve took the apple, um, God said, where are you, Adam? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, so I was afraid. So before that, there was no fear going around. So one of the results of sin is fear. And not, not talking about acts of sin, though acts of sin do produce fear. You are, oh, what, what's, you know, whatever. But, but our sinful nature, that that we inherited on the inside, that we had no choice about, uh, that separates us from God. That 
is the thing that causes fear in our world. Um, But I love this scripture as well. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So if you are in Christ, sin and everything that goes along with it, death, sickness, fear, none of that is your master, is your controlling ruler in your life. And that is good news. So the moment, it was a moment, just like the Israelites came through the Red Sea, the moment those waters passed over their enemies, they were free from prison. Uh, Just like Uh, They had Moses, who was someone out of slavery that came in and took them out. So I had Christ, who was out of slavery, came in and took me out. And so in an instant that I received Jesus, I'm justified, I'm in right standing before him, and I'm made right in an instant. But the problem is this, we'll go back to my map, that I was no longer in prison, but I still didn't feel very free in my mind. Has anyone else felt that way? It's like I thought I was supposed to have, like, thought Jesus just fixed everything. Well, he does, but there's two types of absences of freedom, remember? There was, if we go up, there was prisoners, but there were all, in this land, but then there were also captives, which is a big land. If you maybe just do that, whatever, you know, thereabouts, I'm not here for a theology class, but, um, you know, that's a lot of land. That's a big wilderness. And, um, and whereas being in prison is an instantaneous breakthrough, an instantaneous breakthrough and change of circumstance, captivity is a longer, harder journey of working things out. Let me give you an example. How, how good is it when you hear stories of uh, drug addicts uh, coming to church, standing down here, giving their life to Jesus, and all of a sudden they've been addicted to a substance for 30 years, Uh, and all of a sudden it's broken off their life, and they're like, my gosh, I don't have that addiction anymore. How good is that? It's like, man, power of God, that's amazing. But they have a much longer journey ahead of them to stay out of that situation and keep walking in the freedom that God has given them. Um, You know, I I know recently a person who had some uh, sexual morality issues, and when they were saved, God did a work on their life, but now, after in, being in a great ministry setting, they've gone back to that old way of life because it's not coming out of captivity and having complete freedom in your mind is not an instantaneous work. Uh, I would love to come at the end of this and pray for every single person and just break the spirit of fear off your life. But unfortunately, that's not going to do anything. You're still going to go home and your mind is going to be flooded with all the same things that it was before. Um, unless you let God, you know, go on this journey with you. So, not only did I still have some of the old fears, some I grew out of, I'm no longer afraid of the dark, that's pretty good news, Um, but, but some of them I actually gained more and that affected my relationship with God. So, um, not only did I fear sickness, but I feared that God wanted me to be like that. And I was like, oh, what if God, what if God wants me to be sick? Um, I I feared God being angry with me because when you got fear, you're always expecting the worst and thinking that things are going to be bad. So I thought that, well, God must be angry with me. 
Uh, so I was scared of hearing the voice of God because, of course, he had something bad to say. Um, I, was fe- I, I, I feared missing my future because there was this one future that I had to walk down, and if I missed that, then it was all over and my whole life was wasted. Uh, I feared making decisions in case I made the wrong one. And so, you know, there was a, a different journey for me to go on. And I just want to let you know that there is a journey, and it is so possible to have victory. Um, but I want you to come to this conviction that the wilderness is not the place for you to live in. In that place, in captivity, where you're free, you've got a sense of freedom, but you've still got a sense of, you know, captivity. No one in the promised land wanted to go back to Egypt, yet most people in the wilderness wanted to go back to Egypt. It's not a place. And check this scripture out here in Jeremiah. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, or ravines uh, and a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. The wilderness is a land where no one even really travels. It's not a great place to travel if you're looking for a holiday destination. And it's, not, it's definitely not a place to live. So if you're living in a place where you've got a sense of freedom, or maybe you've got no freedom, maybe you're still in Egypt, that God has a better life, a best life for you to walk into. But it's going to take a battle because there's a battle to slay the giants in your world and the battle is in your mind. Um, and so I just want to finish on, uh, on sharing nine keys on how to renew your mind, how to do it practically. Because I think, once again, renewing your mind is something that you go, okay, well, let's renew my mind. How do I do that? But uh, these are some things that I learnt that I just kept plugging away at and eventually had significant breakthrough. It's conquered. It's conquered. Whenever something's conquered, it'll always try and come back, but you learn how to fight better and it has less of a, you know, a power, a, uh, an influence. And so I, it is not something I battle with. It is something that tries to get me, but I know how to defeat it because I've defeated it before. And it is no longer a stronghold in my life. It is no longer a spirit of my life. The Bible talks about the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy verse 1, 7, that God said, I have not given you a spirit of fear. That's the other thing you've got to know. If you got one, God didn't give it to you. So you may as well give it back to the guy who gave it to you because God's got a different thing, and that is the spirit of faith that it talks about in 2 Corinthians 4.13, and it talks about Joshua and Caleb in, the, in Numbers 13 about the promised land, so they have a different spirit, convinced it's a spirit of faith. They didn't have the spirit of fear that the rest of them had. They had a spirit of faith. So let's have a look at a few things uh, on how we can do that. The first one is important and is hard to grasp. It's humility and hunger. Humility and hunger. Uh, You've got to come to a point where you decide the wilderness is not the place I'm going to live in and you've got to cry out to God for Him to take you into a new place. Uh, Matthew 7, 7, 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And so, you know, um, if you don't ask for anything from God, that is exactly what you're going to get. If you ask for nothing, you're going to get nothing. Um, Exodus 2, 23 to 24, I love this. You can jot these, I'll write them down so you can jot them down and go there later. Um, 
7, 7 to 8, Exodus 2, 23 to 24. It says, during that long period they were in Egypt, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. If you cry to God, he will hear you and he will answer uh, your cries. Just like it said in Psalm 34 verse 4, I, I sought the Lord and he answered, he delivered me from all my fears. Uh, so there's no way around it. If you don't have a heart that is humble, that comes before God and says, God, I'm weak. See, weak people don't like to say, God, I'm weak because it makes them feel weaker. And so we need to get to a place where we're happy to say, God, I can't do it myself. I need you. I'm weak. I need you to, to come in and do this because I can't do it on my own. Um, the second thing, let's see if I can rub all that out. That's going to be hard, isn't it? The second thing that we need uh, is this. Now, this is, a, this is a phrase that I stole and adopted as my own off Joyce Meyer. And she said, think about what you are thinking about. Think about what you are thinking about. Do you know, people can go a whole day thinking just negative word, thoughts and not even know you're doing it, not have a conscious understanding that it is happening. Uh, let's turn to this scripture here because it's a real good one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5. It says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Do you know you cannot take a thought a bit captive and make it obedient to Christ if you don't even know it's there, if you're not aware of it? But literally, I would, when I was starting having success in this area, I would like, I would, I'd recognize that my mind was going on this negative train. I'll say, no, 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 I tell you, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going there. Say it out loud, I'm not letting that thought have a place in my mind. That is, in my eyes, that's the only way I know how to take it and make it obedient to Christ to say, okay, I recognize it. I say, no, nah, that's not happening in my life. Get out of here. Um, so, but you've got to be aware of what's going on in your mind because, and I used to, I used to, man, when I first started this journey, I was, okay, I'm going to think about what I'm thinking about. I would get to maybe like dinner and go, oh, I've like thought bad all day. And then I'll maybe get to lunch and go, oh, I've just haven't even thought negatively, haven't even had one positive thought. Maybe I'd make it to like recess. I was a school teacher at the time. Maybe, you know, and it was all right. Sometimes I'd be, at the, in the shower, I'd be in the shower going, come on, right now is my choice. I'm going to, you know, it's going to be all good. And then I'd have another bad day. But you just got to make it a habit in your life to, to think about what you're thinking about. Um, third thing is you need to build a habit of positive thinking. A habit. Habit of positive thinking. The key phrase for fear is this. It is, what if? Whenever the phrase comes into my head now, what if? I don't even think about it. I, don't, I, I ignore the thought and I get rid of it. I don't even look. I don't even, I, like, no matter what it's about, as soon as a sentence in my head starts with what if, I go, see you later. That's not, that's fear. That's fear. Because 
fear always looks at the worst case scenario. Have you ever found that? The worst case. With God, often he wants you to look at the best case, but more often than not, just the most likely scenario. So you're in a plane, and um, like I'm in a plane, and it takes me around like two seconds as the plane accelerates before I picture the thing plummeting into the ocean, and rescue teams coming in, and, and you know, movies like The Flight, Denzel Washington, just like going down, great 30-minute scene to implant that in my mind, and and, and all of a sudden, that like comes into my mind. I'm like, oh gosh, no, no, I don't want that. Yeah. And, but, but, but here's the thing. In that instance, I don't even need the best case scenario. I just need the most likely scenario. That is so unlikely that that would happen. It's ridiculous. But that can get people wound up. can stop them from flying. And in other areas of your life, you can take the negative, well, what if that happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if that happens to that person? What if this happens to my finances? What if that? But God is just saying, well, look at the most, let's start with the most likely option. And if that's not very good for you, then let's believe the best case scenario because that's faith as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think we, just, we need to have a, have a, have a habit of, of thinking positively, of choosing positive thoughts, getting rid of the negative thoughts, taking them obe- uh, captive, making them obedient. Fourth thing is this, and this is, related is, um, well, speak and think on the Word of God, on the Word, the Word of God. See, worry, when you're fearing, when you're worrying, what you're doing is you're meditating out of fear. Things are going around your mind. Meditating in the Bible means to chew over. So when you're chewing over that worry in your mind, you're meditating, but your meditation comes out of fear. God wants you to meditate, but out of faith. Meditation out of faith comes out of the Word of God, getting on the inside and chewing that over your, your world. Um, there were scriptures that I would use to just uh, quote over my life. There's a really great one in Psalm 140, verse 7. It says, sovereign Lord, O sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, who shields my head in the day of battle. Is that amazing? Sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, shields my head in the day of battle. So even when there's a, there's a battle going on in your mind, you say, Sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. And, and you declare that over your life. I think of um, scriptures like uh, Philippians 4. Uh, I think it's Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. So if Half the trouble you're going to have is finding good things to think about. Sometimes it's just easier to think about bad things. And you're like, okay, well, if I'm not going to think about a negative thing, what am I going to think about? And it's actually just a matter of filling your mind with something other than something negative. And so it's even just quoting a scripture like that, think of these things, whatever is good, whatever is true. Ask yourself, is what I'm thinking about good? Is it noble? Is it true? Is it trustworthy? And if it's not, then get rid of it. Um, So declaring scriptures over your life. Uh, Oops. And that's, that's going to be too hard, so we'll just, is that all right? Is that distracting? <laughs> oh, here we go. I've got a blank one. Fantastic. Number five, I'm, I'm not too far away. Persevere, severance. Is that, is that right? Perseverance. Perseverance. Uh, Exodus 23, uh, 29 to 30 says, 
but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate. Maybe there wouldn't be enough in your head. Uh, and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Got to know this is a journey. Little by little, you're going to get victory. If you're expecting, expecting victory in your mind overnight, then you'll be disappointed the next day. Um, I had a phrase where I would get up in the morning in the shower and I would say, depending on the day before, if it was a good day the day before, in my mind, I'd say, Jesus, yesterday was amazing, but today is going to be even better. I'm going to have great victory today in my life. If it was not a good day the next day, I'd say, Jesus, yesterday wasn't so crash hot, but today is going to be even better. I'd say, I'm going to have victory in my mind today. And every day, I built that into a habit of my life, just saying, you know what, yesterday was this, but today is going to be that. And I started my day confessing that, speaking that, and just saying, this is what today is going to be like. I'm going to think positively. Negative thoughts have no way in my life today. And Jesus, today is going to be a great day. And even if that day was a crap day, I'd get up the next day. Excuse me if you find that offensive. Um, and I would get up the next day and I'd say, Jesus, yesterday was terrible, but today is going to be amazing. And so it's little by little, just getting up, going again, knowing that if you keep going, you keep persevering, then victory will come. Uh, number six is disciplers. And I'm going to run through these next ones. You need to have people in your life to speak to that can go, that you can say, I'm thinking, this is my thought going on in my head. What is that all about? Is that right or is that wrong? And the amount of times I've sat down with someone and gone, I'm thinking this, what, what's going on? And they just go, that's not God, that's ridiculous, throw that out. And instantly, it's just like, oh, okay, just a freedom and other people just speaking into your life. And so you need to have people speaking into your life to help you know what you can chuck out and what you need to keep. Because you can't, like, God's pulling you up in an area of your life. You can't just go, oh, devil, get out of here and cast that away. It's, you know, you've got to embrace that. Um, second, uh, seventh, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, this is going to turn into a legalistic, works-based thing that you'll never have victory over. If you try and do this in your own strength, it will never happen. Um, Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, but by your spirit, or by my spirit, says the Lord, but by his spirit. Um, eight, I, I don't know of a good word, so I just wrote longevity, but you've got to know that even when you have significant victory, every day you need to continue to walk into that. So if a thought comes into my mind, which says, oh, you should do that, a superstitious thought that says you should do that or else a bad thing will happen, I do it. I go, okay, I'm going to go do that and show you that it's not because that's a load of rubbish and that's fear. And so I just go and do the thing that I would usually be scared to do. I'm, like, yeah, I'm going to go do that, whatever, no worries, like, and, and confront it head on. And so whatever it is that, you know, freaks, you know, whatever it is that you just need to continually walk in victory, just go and do it and don't succumb to the old ways and just continue to, to, to walk. But uh, Lisa, I wonder if you could join us on the keyboard. The very last thing uh, is that you need to receive Jesus Christ. And it, all of this, as I said, in your own strength, if you try and do this on your own, then um, you actually have no ability to do that if you are outside of Christ. If you are in Christ and you have a relationship with Him, then you can do this by the power of His Holy Spirit, by His grace. He will renew your mind. You will slay every giant. You will walk into the fullness of what He has for you. But if you aren't in Christ, then I want to give you an opportunity tonight to do that. So why don't we just stand up where you are? We'll, we'll pray for some other people as well. Um, 
for a moment, but, but I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus if you have not already. And so with only the band moving, with no one else moving, I just wonder if we can close our eyes in this place, every person, every person, every person, close your eyes. Can't let a, a, a opportunity like this go to offer you a opportunity to receive Jesus. And I've spoken a, a bit about it, about having a relationship with Jesus. And, um, you know, I've, I've mentioned that Jesus died on the cross. I've mentioned that uh, he took my sin and everything associated with it. I mentioned, you know, sickness, fear. But the thing is this, that you have a nature on the inside that is, that is separating you from God. It's not your fault, but it doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. It was given to you, but Jesus Christ died so that even though you had no choice to get it, you can have a choice to get rid of it. And, um, you know, as you receive Jesus and you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I want you to come into my life. Then he will, he will come in. He will meet you and he will start you on a journey of breakthrough. I'm not promising that everything will turn around right now, but I am promising that if you continue with him, if you step out in faith. See, here's the thing. Faith is a key for you in your victory. It is your key. If you don't have enough faith to receive Jesus, you'll not have enough faith to, for the journey ahead. But if you can muster up enough faith on the inside of your heart right now in this moment, that's what it's going to be, the starting point, then a fresh, fresh uh, faith is going to come on the inside of you that will grow, that will develop, and that will see you being a mighty giant slayer in Jesus' name. So with every eye closed, I wonder if, if that's you in this place tonight. Maybe you've, maybe you've gone to church before and you say, well, maybe I'm a Christian. The Bible never says going to church makes you a Christian. Maybe you say, well, my parents went to church. They're Christians. Well, the Bible never says that having parents as Christians makes you a Christian. You might say, well, I'm a good person. I don't need forgiveness of sin. The Bible never says that being a good person makes you a Christian. The Bible says that having faith and calling on the name of Jesus as Him as Savior and Lord of your life, that makes you a Christian. It connects you to Him and an eternity with Him in heaven. So if that's you, maybe fear, don't, don't, oh man, after this message, don't let fear hold you back from making this decision here tonight. I want you to lift your hand up really quickly so I can see it. I just want to pray with you if that's you here this evening. Is there anyone here? Oh, I want you to be bold. I want you to let fear hold you back. Is there anyone in here that just says, you know what, this is me. I need to start my journey with Jesus. I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything in my, in my heart or my mind, but I, I want to just start this journey. I want to say, Jesus, have your way. That's wonderful. There's one. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? You can put your hand down now. Is there anybody else? Is there anyone else? I've seen that. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Come on. Don't miss this opportunity here this evening. Don't miss this opportunity here this evening. Maybe you've been away from God. Maybe you've been away from Jesus. And you just need to say, you know what? I'm coming back. I've done this. Uh, you know, I, I was with God, but, but fear got the best of me or this got the best of me. And I want to recommit my life to Him this evening. Is there anyone in that category here this evening? Just want you to slip your hand up nice and high so I can see you. Is there anyone here? Is there anyone here? Wonderful. I'm going to pray this together. And you pray that with us. And Rach, you can pray after this there. But we just bring that down. Uh, for a moment. And let's just pray this together. If 
you're like me and I was too scared to put my hand up, then you can pray this prayer. Just come and see me afterwards and we can talk about this. But why don't we um, pray this after me? Dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross. Thank you you rose again for my sin. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe uh, that you can deliver me from every fear. I receive you today. I call on you right now and ask that you come to live in my heart from this day forward, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I reckon just we're going to sing, just we'll keep that down for just a sec, but we're going to lift this up for a moment. And I just think it would be good because we're, we're out of time, but it'd be really great. I'm not going to pray for people for like the instant stuff, but if you want to go on a journey, if you feel like you need to go on a journey with God, you need greater freedom on your, in your mind, you believe that after listening tonight, there's a greater place for you, that there's a place of greater freedom on the inside that is available for you. We're going to sing this song together. We're going to worship in our seats. But I want you, if that's your one, you to come and stand out the front and worship God out the front, out here, and just say, offer your heart. Uh, what are we singing? Are we singing surrender? Sounds like it. We're just going to say, Jesus, here's my life. I want to do this journey. I believe that. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.